Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Exodus in 33. Now, as we've been traveling with Moses during the wilderness wanderings or at the beginnings of the wilderness wanderings, we could see that there's several stages that we saw, first of all, the calling of Moses in his early life. We could see the stage where he was confronting Pharaoh and say, let my people go. We ended that phase with the crossing of the Red Sea. And then we watched as the children had to, children of Israel had to walk in the wilderness and that they had to depend on God for their water. They had to depend on God for their daily food. They went to Mount Sinai. They received the law. Now they received what uh, the plans for the tabernacle as God has spent 40 days and 40 nights. We last witnessed as Moses stepped off the mountain to find that the people had built a golden calf and the false worship that was rampant. And it only took 40 days for them to disobey God. And now we now have Moses coming back. At the end of all of this, God is going to have some special time with Moses. And one of the most precious passages in all of the word of God. We find our way to the book of Exodus in chapter number 33. Exodus in chapter number 33. And if you don't mind, let's pick it up starting at verse number 7. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 7. The word of God says this. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. Afar off from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. That I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, I will give thee rest. 
And he said unto him, if, thou, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and to show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there is no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will make, take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Exodus chapter 33? Exodus chapter 33, and notice with me in verse 14 as God responds to Moses in verse number 14. My presence shall go with thee. My presence shall go with me. And with the Lord's help, we want to hit this idea here of my presence shall go with me. Speaking about the presence of the Lord. Let's go to the God together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as I approach this night tonight, understanding how important this passage is, how paramount, how foundational this passage is, I'm very aware that I do not want to preach this in my own flesh. I don't want to preach it out of my ideas, my thoughts. I want you to manifest your presence, for you to show up, for you to be real, for you to draw people near, for us to understand more about whom you are, to understand more about the presence of the Lord and how it is such an important thing. I'm asking that you would give us grace, give us understanding. Your Holy Spirit, just illuminate our eyes even now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Fill me with your precious spirit. Do your own work, we beg of you. And this we pray. Amen. Moses right now is at the zenith, the height of his ministry. He's already been used to see the plagues of Egypt reign upon him. He has been used of God to part the Red Sea. He's been used of God to receive the commandments of God and the plans for the tabernacle. And yet, it is at the height, the very height, the zenith, the peak of the ministry. He had one prayer request. And it happened to be the same exact prayer request that the Apostle Paul had in the height, the zenith of his ministry. After Paul being used to see books of the Bible penned, churches started, doctrine foundation, people taught, people discipled. At the very height and the zenith, he had one prayer request. And it was the same exact prayer request of Moses. That I may know 
Can you imagine the Apostle Paul and all the ways that he was used, what his prayer request to God was still, I want to know you more. You talk to God or talk to Moses who spoke to God, who God spoke to him. He witnessed God working and his prayer request, I want to know God more. I want to know God more. Both of these men are considered the greatest believers of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And still, they wanted to know God. When we talk about knowing God now, we're not talking about book knowledge. We're talking about an experiential knowledge. Knowing God by experience. Maybe I could give an example Many of us know about Abraham Lincoln. You've read books on him. You've taken tests about him. But none of you know him personally. At least I'm assuming so. So you may know things about him, but you don't know him personally. One of the foundational problems that us Christians often have is that we get satisfied with our book knowledge of Christ. But we have no desire to know him by experience. To know him personally. And we just grow satisfied with our book knowledge about Christ. And we're missing out on so much. How do we know more about God? How is it that we experience him? The secret of this is the presence of God. To be in the presence of God is to be face to face with him in his presence. To be able to know him by experience. And so if you don't mind, let's take this passage, which is one of those passages you just need to know and study and learn and glean from. To learn for the presence of God for yourself. Let's learn some things about the presence of God based off of this passage here. First of all, we understand that the Lord's presence is one of fellowship. The Lord's presence is one of fellowship. Now the whole reason why God created man in the first place. Why did God create humans? Because he desired fellowship. He desired to be able to fellowship, to spend time with another creation. However, because of sin, it separated and broke that fellowship between God and man. But when Jesus Christ died for us, he restored that fellowship. He gave us reconciliation. We now have access to God once again. God still desires fellowship with his creation, with man. That's his desire. In fact, notice this as we walk through. Now, we start off with some preliminary things that <laughs> in verse number 7, and Moses took the tabernacle. Now, this tabernacle is not going to be the worship tabernacle that we spoke about last Wednesday. This is going to be a temporary meeting place because it's going to take nine months to build the actual tabernacle. So this is just a temporary thing that is going to be referred to as the tabernacle of the congregation. So instead of being in the middle of the, of the uh, midst of the people, it's on the outside of the camp. 
It's somewhere where people can go and give the prayer requests, talk with God, spend some time to fellowship, almost like a service like we would have. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp and afar from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone that sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. So this is a place that anyone could go and seek the Lord. It's amazing that passage, the idea to seek the Lord. The Bible gives promise after promise after promise that if you seek the Lord, you will find him. Some people have the idea that the presence of God is like playing spiritual hide and seek. That every time you round the corner, he just moves on the other side and you look for him and he's gone and you look for him and he's gone. But that's not what God desires. God tells us to seek almost like when my kids were little, we'd play hide and seek. So they would say, Daddy, you go ahead and count. All right, one, two. And then I have three kids at close in age. They had to do everything together. And so they had the pitter-patter of different feet, and they would all go to the same room and hide in the same spot. Quit it, push, let me in. And they would all get to the same spot. So, all right, 99, 100, ready or not, here I come. And so you could hear the little shuffling and the pushing, and finally, shh. And so I go into the bedroom. Are you guys in here? And they're trying hard to be quiet. Oh, let me look. Are they in the closet? And you hear a little giggling. And you open up and is it in the bathroom? And you hear some more laughter. Oh, I guess they're not in here. I'll go look somewhere else. And then a voice would say, look under the bed. And you go look under the bed and they go, oh, daddy, how'd you find us? You know why my kids hid at that age? Because they wanted to be found. God says, seek me and I will be found because he wants us to take forth the effort to look for him. God has already made himself available. He just wants us to take the effort to find him, to look for him. And if we take the effort, he will be found of us. Why don't we find God? Because we're not looking. We don't put forth the effort. We're not seeking after him. But that's what God wants. He wants that fellowship. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to be close to him. Notice as it goes on. (laughs) In verse number 8. And it came to pass when Moses came out. Out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood up every man in his tent door and looked after Moses till he was gone of the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered in the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. Now remember, this was the, the manifest presence of God by this cl- cloudy pillar. It was a f- pillar of fire at night and a pillar of smoke during the day. So Moses went into the tabernacle at this little tabernacle of congregation. And God's presence descended on that tabernacle, that tent. And notice this. And stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar and stood at the tabernacle, and all the people rose up and worshipped. Why did they worship, by the way? Because they recognized it was God. So they're outside, they're watching Moses step inside, then the pillar goes in, and they said, God's there. 
And so they worshipped acknowledging who God was. But notice what's happening inside. And, Moses, and the Lord spake to Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. You know what God's presence is? It's one of fellowship. God wants to spend time with us. And here's Moses who goes in to spend time with God. And God speaks to him face to face as a friend. That's a key phrase there, friend. You know that in order to have friends, there are two main ingredients. You could boil down all the requirements, but there are two main requirements to have a friend. You think about your friend, all right? You think about what makes them a friend. What are the two requirements in order to be a friend? First of all, you must spend time with them. You have to spend time with them. We all had relationships in high school. We'll be friends forever. But then we drifted apart. Why? Because we stopped spending time with them. In order to stay close with someone, you have to spend time with them. Well, how do we spend time with the Lord? Well, we know that the Lord speaks to us through the Bible, and through prayer we speak to Him. You have to spend time with God. If you don't spend time with God, you get further away from Him. You become more distant to Him. He becomes, the relationship becomes more strained. But that's the first ingredient. In order to be friends, first of all, you have to spend time with them. Second of all, there must be trust. There must be trust. Now, trust is a two-way street. First of all, God has to trust us. Can we be trusted with information? Can we be trusted with what God is going to say? Can we be trusted to listen? Can we be trusted to be available? Can we be trusted to do what we're supposed to be? Can we be trusted? But trust goes the other way. Can we trust God? Now we know that theologically we can trust God. But yet it seems like it's so hard for someone to trust in God. We say trust in the Lord, but I don't know what's going to trust in the Lord, but it's going to, but trust in the Lord. If you can't trust God, then you're not going to have the close friendship fellowship that God desires to have with you. God wants to have friends. God desires friends. You imagine how lonely God is. Now, God feels emotions. He is a very emotional God. And God's whole purpose of creating man was for fellowship. But because of sin, it has broken that fellowship. But because of Jesus Christ, he made it so we can approach God. But just because we can doesn't mean that man does. And God just looking for some friend. Some friend. The Bible speaks about in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. You don't have to turn there. But it said that God was looking for a man, singular, a person to stand in the gap between God and earth. To be able to plead to God and be able to deliver the message to the earth. To look for someone that he could trust. But that verse ends up with those haunting words. But I found none. If God can't find a friend, how lonely is God from time to time? Now, I understand, 
I'm speaking in very simplistic terms because God is a God of time. God is outside of time and he's not points of time. I understand that. But the principle remains that God desires fellowship. And in this day and time, nobody wants to fellowship with God. How awful that is. And the presence of God is one of fellowship. God wants to fellowship with someone. That's the presence of God. This is why it's so important to be in our Bible. To spend time with Him. This is why it's so important to pray. To spend time with Him. Because that's what God desires most of all. He desires fellowship. When Paul and Moses had the same prayer request. They said that I may know him. How do they know him? By fellowship. The presence of God brings fellowship. Something else that we understand about the presence of God is not only does the, pre- the presence of God involve fellowship, but the Lord's presence gives rest. The Lord's presence gives rest. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. He also repeats that in verse number 17, where God says, I know you by name, and, I found gra- and you found grace in my sight. Aren't you glad that God knows who you are? God knows everything about you. The Bible says in the New Testament that all of your hairs on your head are numbered. What he means that is that he doesn't just know that you have 5,649 hairs. But if you were to pull which one, he could say that's number 3,649. He knows everything about you. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows what you like. He knows your personality. He knows everything about you. He knows you. And because he knows you, he knows where you came from. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're going. He knows everything about you. He knows what you need. And he knows when you need it. And the presence of God brings rest. Notice in verse 13. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Consider that this nation is thy people. Now notice God's answer to him. And he said, my presence will go with thee, and I will give thee rest. You know, when God is with you, you can rest in him. When God is with you, you could face anything. This is why Jesus says in the New Testament, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. The presence of God brings rest. That I know that if I'm with Jesus, if his presence is with me, he's got everything well in hand. Think about when Elijah is standing before Ahab. And as he's standing before Ahab, he's telling him that 
as he's facing Ahab, he's also currently present tense in the presence of God. Meaning that he's not facing Ahab by himself, that God is with him to face Ahab. God's presence gave him rest. One of the reasons why Christians are not rested people is because we don't have God's presence on us. We're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to tackle it ourselves. We're trying to accomplish it ourselves. And the answer was to run to Jesus the whole time, to be with Him and allow Him to go with us to face the battles, to allow Him to do the work. God's presence brings that rest. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to, I don't have to be fearful of them because God is with me. There's something about God's presence that if I know that he is with me, how is it that I could stand week after week and stand before people and time to time there may be some antagonistic people that people cross their arms and say, bless me if you can. How can you still go up and teach people? Because I'm with God. As long as I'm with God, I can face anything because God's presence gives me rest. We teach people to go tell people about Christ, to witness to them, to knock on their door, to ask them how they, to invite them to church. How can you do that? Complete strangers, you never know what's at the other side of the door. God's presence gives me rest. This year is a very frightful year. It is a year of fear. But how is it that we don't have to live by fear and be dominated fear? God's presence gives me rest. Oh, God's presence solves everything. The Lord's presence is one of fellowship. The Lord's presence gives rest. But also see something else here. The Lord's presence separates. The Lord's presence separates. Notice with me in verse number 15. And he said to him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now, appreciate Moses saying that. God, if you're not going with us, I'm not going either. I want to make sure that you're going with me. I need you. I, I need you to go with me. But notice this, verse 16. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? How do people know that I'm one of God's children? Because God's presence is with me. Because God is with me. Notice this. And because of God goes with us, so shall we be separated. I am thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. What we see here is God's presence separate us from the world. This verse, Exodus chapter 33 verse 16, is the greatest verse On biblical separation in the entire Bible. Why? Because it's the presence of God that separates us. As we spend time with God in prayer. As we spend time in the Bible. As we spend time with Him. The more we become like Him. The more that we start to understand His thoughts. His ways. His likes. His desires. His plan. And as we abide with Christ. He changes us from the inside out. I'm told that the, the um, last tree to lose its leaves actually loses its leaves in the spring after the winter. And what happens in this tree is that it loses its leaf as the brand new leaves for the next year pushes 
the old leaves out. This is exactly what God does. As we spend time with God and we have time in his presence, he naturally pushes things out of my life. So many times Christians get things backwards and they focus on standards. By the way, standards are important, are necessary. They're guardrails, they're protection. But we're not trying just to clean people out from the outside. We're to bring them to the Lord and God change them from the inside out. Let me give an example. The more that you spend time with God, the more that you spend time in his presence, he begins to change your desire on things like movies, television shows, music. He changes those desires and pushes those things out that you used to like before. He pushes them out and replaces them with something better. And what's the best thing? Jesus Christ. Having him. When you have him, it is better than any music, any song, any television show, any football, any sports team, any hobby. He pushes those things out. You become a new creature. And the more that you spend time with God, his presence separates us from the world. Maybe I could give an example. So many times people say that we need to be separated from the world, but they do not separate themselves unto the Lord. Now we know that the world is always moving further away from God. So if you have someone that's separated from the world, but they're not separated unto God, as the world moves further from God, the Christians, the believers, move with the world. Now there's still a separation, but they get further and further away from God. But if we separate ourselves from the world unto the Lord, the world gets further and further away and we stay close to God. And there's going to be more of a difference between us and the world. One of the things that is a problem today is that Christians don't like to be different. But one of the greatest evidences that the Bible is true, that biblical Christianity works, is the evidence of a changed life. That there is something that is different. And God naturally pushes those things away. He changes our desires. He changes our likes. He changes us. He changes how we think. He pushes those things out. And that comes by being close to God. That's what the presence of God does. That's the best way of doing things. So that's why we allow people to come. It doesn't matter who they are, what they're like. We want to take them from where they are and point them to God. And as they get close to God, those things will naturally change and be pushed out of their life. And be changed for good. That's the presence of God. The presence of God separates. The presence of God separates. Remember, the whole thing is that the goal is God. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. But when you make something else the goal, you weaken both goals. Separation is not the goal. It is a byproduct of the goal. It happens when I have God. You see, the Christian life is the never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ 
Always knowing him more. Getting closer and closer and closer with him. That's the goal. And as I get him, it affects everything else in my life. It, those other things change. The presence of God separates. One last thing I want to show you in this passage about the presence of God. Not only is the presence of God one of fellowship, the presence of God brings rest, the presence of God separates, but also the Lord's presence is real. The Lord's presence is real. Notice with me in verse number 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there's no man who could see me and live. Now that's an important verse. You cannot see God's face and live. Because God is a holy God and cannot be in the presence of sin. And we are sinful creatures. We are not perfect creatures. Even God's angels who are serving God, they have wings, Isaiah chapter 6, that cover their face. Because even they cannot look at God. And they're perfect creatures, but they cannot look upon God's face and live. So God says, but I want to show you that my presence is real. So what I'm going to do. And let me kind of summarize what he says. He says, Moses... There's some mountains over here. I'm going to bring you over here. And I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock. And what I'm going to do is that as I pass by Moses, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to cover you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to walk past you. And then you could get just a little glimpse of me. You can't see my face, not in its physicality, in its entirety. But I want to show you that I'm here. And I want to prove to you that my presence is real. And Moses said, that's good enough. That's all I want. You see, God's presence is real. God loves to prove that his presence is real. He loves to prove that we serve a living Savior. Now, we have to be careful because a lot of people try to turn this into a mystical thing. And they try to do this idea of smoke and whatever else. But it is a real thing. It is a spiritual thing. But it is a real thing. To be able to have God's presence with you. To be able to know that he is with you. Oh, some of the most sincere, intense prayer times. To be able to spend time with God in prayer. And I have a, if you can forgive the personal illustration, but I'm trying to illustrate uh, that the presence of God is real. There have been times that I've been asked, God, I want to know you more and I want to know you more. In the time of prayer, it just felt like he drove me to my knees. And there was times that I just couldn't even speak, just saying, God, God. And again, I'm not trying to be spooky. I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm not trying to say this is how it always is. But God loves to prove himself real. There's something about having God's presence when you open up God's word and speak to someone else and know that it's not me, it's God that's here that's doing it. And allowing him to do its own work. There's something to that. There's something to being able to talk to someone else and witness to them and know that it's God that's talking to them. And I'm just being used as an instrument. 
Letting God do his own work. God wants to show himself real. He wants to show up in our prayer life. He wants to show up when we pray that he nestles up close to us and say, let's go together. He wants to be so when we read our Bible, we're looking for him. And he shows up and said, wow, God spoke to me through his word. It was real. It was just as if his voice was there. God's presence is real. And again, we're not trying to be spooky. We're not trying to be mystical. But we want to say it is real. And God wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to be close to him. He wants you to know him. He wants friends. He wants that fellowship. And when you have God, you have rest. When you have God, you are separated from the world. He pushes those things out. You become a changed person. His presence is real. But the thing is, he's a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself upon you. It is something that you have to want. It is something that you have to desire. The Bible gives in the Psalms, as a, a deer panteth for the water, so I, so I thirst after thee. Are you thirsty for God? Is it something that you want to have? As long as it's a take it or leave it thing, you'll leave it every time. But it is something that you have to want. Because God will not force himself upon him. But he's available. He says, just come unto me. He's already made himself available. Ours is the next step. We take the step. He's already previous. He started it. He said, I'm, I'm available. But you have to take the next step. Again, it is amazing that the two greatest believers in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Moses and Paul, at the height, the zenith of both of their ministries, both of them, both of them had the same prayer, that I may know him. Are you satisfied with your level of Christianity? Are you satisfied with the walk of God that you have now? Or is there something inside of you that echoes what Paul and Moses said? I want to know him more. I want him more. Well, let me tell you, you can have him. But you have to take that next step. You have to seek after him. You have to desire him. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. There's nothing magical about these altars. But I want to invite you to step out. Now you said, I can meet with God where I'm at. You can, but there's something about taking a step. There's something about putting action to that thing. And I want to invite you to take a step, to meet with God, to go to him, not expecting him to come to you. You go to him. And I want, if, if that's your desire, we're not going to force anyone. But if that's your desire, to go to God and say, God, I want to know you more. Help me to look for you. Help me to be in my Bible reading, my prayer life. Help me to be looking for you. And let me tell you, as long as you look for him, you will find him. The only reason why you don't find him is because you're not looking. Is that something you want? Is that something you crave? Is there something inside of your spirit that says, I want to know him Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.